Hello and welcome to the Stealthy Auto Show. It's my birthday tomorrow, so you better listen to it. I'm Sean Smith. He's Christopher Strickland. Hello. Are you all good, Corey? Uh, I'm not too bad, thanks. Not too bad at all. Good. Should we talk about some bikes? Uh, yeah, this is a very rarity, but yes, let's talk about yeah. some... Today. Well, it has been probably more exciting than F1 this year. Well, that's, that's not the reason we're going to talk about it, because we're going to talk about it next year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, MotoGP, the, the other main headline sport that's behind so many paywalls it's almost seen by nobody I watch it because I actually pay for BT Sport because I think BT Sport does a fantastic job but you don't so that's your problem not mine well yeah it, it literally is but that's okay because I've got you to do the commentary for me and then uh, I get to p- pick out the rest from Wikipedia so here we go let's talk about the 2023 season which will be coming up in a few months a few many months well, the, the problem you've got is it's all finished before the World Cup, before the Football <laughs> World Cup. So you've got like four, like every single racing series finishes before the World Cup. So you've got like four months before anything happens again. It's sort of like IndyCar, but like in the last few years where they've decided they have to finish before American football starts, the NFL. Well, yeah, I can kind of understand that because NFL is the most exciting thing in America. Yeah, but it does then mean so that they've got of... a six-month gap between the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I'll, I'll accept that, but, you know. <laughs> I, I'm on your side, I agree, it's a pain in the ass. Anyway, what a GP. <laughs> so, Cree, while I've not been yes. watching it, has has would you say the, the bike racing has been okay in the last few years? Anything major happened? You know, any major, oh, any any turning of tides, get, get a destruction of empires in terms of Yamaha and Honda, anything like that, or has it just been the same? Nah, stays quiet, stays quiet. <laughs> now, of course, I think I think what you're alluding to is the fact that the Desmodici GP2, GP22, and GP23 are the most used bike on the grid right now. Like, if you are a rookie and you're going into MotoGP, you want to be on a Ducati because it is the most rideable bike that's out there at the moment and what was the most friendly rookie bike which was the Yamaha has gone from having I don't know six bikes on the grid to now only having two and they're factory bikes and that's it nothing else so yeah as we say we're going to go through some, some of the next next year's lineups some of the changes due to Suzuki leaving idiots and um... oh yeah considering they won the last race and then they won the Australian Grand Prix so in the last three races they won two of them and they won the championship what two years ago 2020 with Johan Mir yeah one Mir ah yeah. ah uh, uh, uh. uh-huh. <laughs> that, that was actually in fairness Johan Mir's win in 2020 was probably the least one impressive of the most, least interesting but most underrated win because he was consistent as hell he was not consistent as hell his points, he won race. His points tally was awful at the end of the year he still won one race he did, and he still won the championship yeah with the, like, the lowest points at all like ever if you think so I still think it's slightly underrated because you, how often is it that somebody wins the championship or nearly wins the championship having never won a race he won two actually that year Oh, did he win two? Sorry, I thought he only won one. Oh, Apologies. Are you sure it was one bit? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, are you sure it was him? Anyway. What? Do you mean I'm not sure it was him? I thought it was Quattro. No, he won it in 2020. Huh. Yeah. Wikipedia's telling me, telling me lies. Why? What's Wikipedia saying? Wikipedia's telling me he's in Moto 2. Who? Johan Mir? Yeah. In 2020? Yeah. Oh, it's because I'm looking on the wrong person. I'm looking at Jorge Martin. Idiot. <laughs> anyway. Let's move on. Right, 2023. Um, yeah. Big year for GP because they all are at, the, at this point. Uh, we have a grand total of one, two, three. No, I, can tell you what, I can tell you why it's a big year for MotoGP. And it's not because it's the next one, but it's because it's the first year where Mark Marquez is going into a championship, not injured. For about four years. Having, for about four years. And it's kind of like he... The problem is, is Matt Marcus is going into a season where the Honda is awful. But he still put it, I mean, even this year, he still put it, I think he put it on pole. Did he put it on he pole? He definitely got a pole. He got a pole position, like, it was not Australia, was it? Uh, I'm just finding out. He did definitely also win a race. Or two. He, no, he, did, he won Saxon ring. Oh, no, he came second. No, he came second. Yeah, sorry. He won Saxon ring the year before when he was, like, hanging off the bike. Uh, he got pole position. I couldn't turn right. Yeah, so it's a big year for MotoGP because it's almost like the return of Mark Marquez. 
Again. So you've got the return of Mark Marquez again, who's been dominating the championship, ignoring the last couple of years he's been injured. For seems like forever now, in mm-hmm. fairness. Well, 2014, I think, or 30. Was it first yeah, or 14? I've no anyway. It's on it's on it's on, got, the, it's on the on the picture behind me in my room, but I can't be able to go and find it. Yeah, so you've got him coming back. The old guard that was Rossi, Lorenzo, etc., have all left now. Pedrosa, yeah. you know, they've all left, Davizioso, etc., etc. They've all left now. So that they were who he was fighting with when he won his last championship. Now you've got this young upstart. Oh, I say young upstarts, but he you've got the be, likes of he must be the old, one of the oldest warriors on the grid. I reckon he's twenty six. Es, Espargaro, well, no, Marquez is my age, so he's going to be thirty. Oh, yeah, he is, yeah. Um, yeah. Alex Espargaro is thirty three. Um, who else is old? That's it, really. Paul, Paul Espargaro is about the same age. Um, mm. Yeah, there's there's not many. Nakagami must be pretty old. Oh yeah, Nakagami's thirty, I think. Yeah, 30, mm, anyway. But you've got him coming back, and you've got essentially he's up against the new generation, so the likes of Vinales, um, the Espargros. You just say the new generation Vinales. The guy's been around for like six years and done nothing has so he? far. Has he been around for that long? He's been around for ages. Mm. Uh, anyway, but Jorge Martin, it will be interesting to see who gets the most polls out of him and Jorge Martin because Jorge Martin, for whatever reason, over the past five races, I think he's been on pole three times. But he, when he's been on pole, he's been on pole by a quarter of a second. Okay. Which, like, I think the last race he was on pole by two tenths of a second, and I think it was Australia he was on pole by a good couple of tenths. And you're sadly going, this is MotoGP. And, and it's kind of, it's on the same level as F1. If you're on pole by a couple of tenths, you're doing something pretty, pretty good. Well, on, on, you know, you're properly getting the most out of the bike. So it'll be interesting to see how many poles Martin gets this year and how many poles Marquez gets, because I think that'd be quite an interesting dynamic. Who's um Martin riding for? He's on the, he's Pramac. So, so he's on, the, yeah, he's on the Ducati. So he's on like, I suppose the second best team bike because you've got the Ducati factory team, then you've got the Ducati factory team number two, which is Prana. Yeah, who have been. Then you've got the Grassini team, which is the first number one satellite team, and then you've got the VR46 team, which is the number two satellite team. So the the latter of those two both have this year 2022's bike, which is which is in in previous years of Ducati you thought flip a coin as to go is it going to be worth it. Yes, it is. <laughs> or um, I, I think or... it was when wasn't it when Rossi was riding for them? Whoever was on the satellite bike, because they had the previous year's bikes, was like a second quicker. What back when? Like at the beginning of the season. Work. Yeah, like at the beginning of the season, they were like a second quicker because the next generation of bike was so bad. That's because at know... the time, Ducati didn't understand the electronics. They didn't understand aero. They just knew how to make a really big engine, <laughs> um, and. They sort of hope for the best on that front, really. Whereas nowadays they're the complete package. Mm. Um, let's talk about those changes. So we mentioned Suzuki, um, who I think incredibly short-sighted of them have left MotoGP again um, because of the. Well, well no, what, what, what Suzuki have done is they've anticipated the drop in. Oh, sorry. They basically anticipated a financial crisis, like the, like what happened in two thousand and eight, like what they did last time when they left last time. Yeah. They've anticipated a financial crisis, which, in fairness, if you look at the cost of the yen at the moment, which is what they'd be using as part of the to fund everything, it's incredibly weak at the moment against like the dollar. So when it, when it comes to them paying like, well, they're not going to build the bike in well, they're not going to develop the bike in Japan. They're going to develop the bike in Europe. You know, when it comes to development costs and things like that, you know, the price of development will probably go through the roof for, for some of the Japanese teams. And Suzuki just went, ah, we can't be asked anymore. We might have, we've won a championship, we've done some few bits and pieces, but do we think we're going to do any better? Nah, so we're just going to pack our bags and go home. <laughs> and that's what they've done. It does mean... But it's that... really, it is really annoying because they don't really do anything now. That's exactly what I was going to say. World, they're not in World Superbikes, they're not in MotoGP, they're not... I mean, they're in... Some of the lower categories, like they're in BSB and things like that, sort of that national level, but 
other than that, they don't really do anything. They just have like a public motorsport well, face, thing, which just seems really pointless. Yeah, that's the thing with Suzuki's. They've always been like sort of secretly my favourite team. Um, mm. Yeah, back in the day when they had Christopher Mullion and um, John Hoff, was it Hopper? Hop, John Hopkins um, as their riders back in. Like, have you seen? Have you seen John Hopkins walk? No, it's quite sad. Why? Like he's because of all of the injuries he had over the years of being a motorbike rider, he's he looks like he's still riding a bike. Ah, is he still he's sort of like hobbling around? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 sort of shows kind of shows the toll of being a motorbike rider. Yeah, it makes you makes you wonder how Randy Lapunye has any legs left. I think that crashes. That's very true. Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah, it makes you wonder how Matt Macus can still bloody walk. <laughs> or well, or has an arm, but that's a different story. Or has an arm. Uh, or but has... yeah, my point is Suzuki yeah. is like they're one of my favourites. Um, but they've just disappointed me in terms of motorsports. You know, in terms of that, they used to have a really good world superbike team that got canned very quietly and over a long period of time. Uh, the MotoGP guys have now disappeared twice in the last little over 10 years, 15 years. Um, and this is literally, as, as you say, literally two years after they've won the championship. It's And they still won races this year. They won the last race, two races maybe. It's a bit, it's just a waste. Of their brand, I think. Yeah, it is a little bit. I can, as I say, I can understand it from like a financial point of view, but from a publicity point of view, that doesn't make much sense. But then again, they are probably one of the most. Um, well, they are one of the smaller bike manufacturers. Yeah, they're smaller bike manufacturers, but they still produce, um, you know, but a significant yeah, number of bikes. To, compared to Aprilia or KTM, they're massive, Suzuki. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think makes it interesting in MotoGP nowadays compared to five, six years ago. Is that the bigger team, the big everyone knows, Yamaha and Honda dwarf everyone else, like but to a, a magnitude more, um, because Honda obviously are Honda, Honda Motor Corporation, part of the, the global empire they're in. Yamaha, part of Toyota, the biggest car manufacturer in the com in the world, um, and then Suzuki are kind of you know they're big but they're not that big same, same with Kawasaki well Suzuki is half owned by Toyota well partly yes but I think the bikes are a bit more um, no, yeah I think I think you're right I think the bikes are a separate entity in um, itself it's like, it's, like, it's like Mitsubishi isn't it you know, different things have Mitsubishi brand names but they're nothing to do with each other it's very mm. it's interesting with the Japanese when you look at Japanese companies uh, feel free to do some research for yourself dear viewer listeners um, anyway but then you have the likes of Ducati who are kind of you know really they're they're small. <laughs> You've, you know, everyone thinks of Ducati as this big Italian company, but they're smaller than Aprilia. Yeah, small. it's like if you if you look at them from like a, almost like an F one point of view, you have got Yamaha and Honda, like your Mercedes and and Red Bull. Yeah, and I know Red Bull's not a car company, but it's a massive brand. Yeah, and then Ferrari is kind of like Ducati I because they're I, both... I, I don't think Ducati are that big. I'd say Ducati no. are, are more like a posh Sauber. A posh Sauber. They're owned by Lamborghini. Oh, they're owned by the Audi Group. Yeah, so they got some investment, but they're not. The Ducati itself is a tiny little focused race team. It doesn't have. Mm. It doesn't have a mega factory like you know Honda and Yamaha. Yeah, maybe, maybe they haven't like pushed themselves on like a. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they tried. Well, <laughs> they almost bankrupted themselves. Why they had to be bought out? Yeah, maybe they haven't pushed themselves financially on a corporate side of things. I don't things, think they're allowed to these days. Probably not. Um, but the fact is, anyway. Ducati have broadened themselves where they need to and do incremental steps year on year on year on year on year, um, and have eventually got to the top, which is fantastic and sort of shows where the where the decisions ten years ago to have like stock electronics and limiting what can and can't be done with engines and you know. The, ah, yeah, been... but we'll have a very expensive launch control device, but that's fine. Yeah, but that's been bad this year, hasn't it? In 2023. No, didn't they just ban some of it? They didn't ban all of it. Oh, uh, okay. It's. I think. I know, I remember part one of Ducati's tricks that they brought have been banned or or were going to be banned. But uh, it's I suppose you could argue it's better to come up with a good idea and have it banned than it is to not have a good idea in the first place. Yeah, there's nothing. There doesn't appear to be anything mentioned. Oh well. Um, to be fair, I kind of quite like the idea of having a launch device i think it's quite fun i mean basically they they all have anyway because every bike will limit like have, mm. will have a soft limit on how, how it'll 
grip up in the in the launch phase. That's why you don't see them with. I mean, how much horsepower do MotoGP's bikes have? Two hundred and fifty nowadays, three hundred. I think they're a bit more than that. I think it's about three hundred. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the point. If you if if any random person goes <laughs> goes to launch a bike at three hundred horsepower, they're going to flip over the handlebars faster than anything else. Yeah, they're not going to look fantastic, are they? Um, but yeah, it's 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 a. It's oh, really... there you go. Sorry, the. Sorry, the, the use of the device to modify or adjust the front ride height while it's moving is now forbidden. Uh, so that's the bit they banned. But that doesn't mean you can't... This is while moving. So it means when it's stationary, when you want to put it off the line, you can move it. Okay. That's how I would read it anyway. Anyway, so because Suzuki have left, they're two riders of uh, Alex Rins and one Mir, uh, 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 um, are without a ride. Until they've signed their new teams, Chris. Well, yeah, they just they just signed for Honda, didn't they? Both of them just decided to sign for Honda, with Alex Rins arguably getting the worst of the two in the fact that they're now he's now on the Castrol LCR, not the Indimitsu LCR. Well, it depends because you know back in the day the Castrol Honda was exactly the same bike as the, the yeah Honda, when Carl Crusher was on it. Yeah, just yeah. with a bit more freedom, really. Yeah, yeah, he did not quite got the pressures of being on a factory bike. But let's be honest, you want to be in the factory team where Johan Mir is now. I would, I would say that Johan Mir is the more, um, the bigger star name of the two. Uh, I'd I say think, they're both about the same. If I think honest. Alex. I, I personally think I mean, Alex Rins is obviously better. the bigger one because yeah, Mir is obviously the bigger one because he's won a world championship. Yeah. Would I say Rins is better than Mir? Well, clearly not because he's not won a world championship. Yeah, but, but I think, I think I in think fairness, I reckon if Rins had had the same season as Mir, they both he would have won the championship. I think they're both about the same. Okay, I mean, yeah, I've watched both of them in you know, their junior careers. I think Rins has a bit more depth to him, but uh, that will be seen in the next few years, I imagine. Yeah, um, definitely. But yes, they've had to go to Honda. Um, so Paul Espargaro said, "Now nah, screw this to to the RC two RC two one three V," and gone over to where's he gone to? He's gone to the gas gas. He's on the oh, RC yes, sixteen. So the gas gas, which, which the not KTM. a KTM. Yes, this one of those brilliant marketing things that everyone loves. Have you noticed that all the MotoGP bikes look almost identical nowadays, Cree? Well, yeah, that's because the aerodynamic rules have sort of made them all sort of, they've all come to the same conclusion. But then again, if you go back to like the, like the early 2000s, they all kind of looked the same. No. Yeah. You either had a massive hole in the front, or you had like, you had more stylistic changes. Or you had... No, well, I, would say that, I would definitely say the Suzuki looked the most different of the bikes, but with the advent of wings and things like that, yeah, definitely. Although if you look at the KTM... Their front fairing isn't really a front fairing anymore. It's just more of a wing. <laughs> well, do you remember what Ducati did a couple of years ago when they basically just literally made the whole front fairing? Um, sort of like... Uh, oh, no, that's what the Aprilia is now. That's what the Aprilia is now. It's just a big wing. And, a, and it's an air intake with a big wing like a moustache. Hmm. <laughs> and there's then then there's a there's screen above it, and that's it. Imagine there isn't any much else. Imagine if that's how the Italian marketing people at Aprilia decided to do that. Uh, he's, he's got a moustache <laughs> um, and obviously I did the hand gesture while saying that but uh, um, I think that Honda have a lot to do next year because when you look at the, the 2022 standings you had Marquez who did you know even though he missed 6 or 7 races he still finished mid-pack 13th place 113 points the next best Honda is Polis Spargo 56 points so half the number of points uh, and that's not even the worst difference between the top rider and the second best rider in uh, the um, in manufacturers. We'll get to them. Mm. But uh, I think oh, to be, I mean, what is Marquez? He's 113. He's just well, the over problem, half the points of sorry, just under half the points of Bagnaia. The problem is, is Honda and Yamaha have both run into the same problem that Ducati had when Casey Sterner was ending his career is they've got so far building a bike under one person to win a world championship. Like, for example, the Yamaha was built around Rossi until then, he left. Then Lorenzo. And then Lorenzo. So it was built around one one person. And the same with the Honda for the past... Or oh, since 2019, the Honda was built around Mark Marquez and oh, Mark Marquez's racing well, style. Before that. And in fairness, you, you wouldn't blame them. No. If he's winning new world champions every single year, he gets what he wants. 
I think uh, there has been a difference. Though. I think it was around seventeen, maybe eighteen, when the gulf between Marquez and every other Honda rider became bigger. Because you know, early on in his career, the first couple of years at uh, Repsol Honda, Marquez was you know about you know, able to. You know, Pedroza didn't embarrass himself against him. Um, no, no, and, you, and Cal, Cal Crutchlow could still win a race or two if he tried hard enough. Yeah, I think he won in twenty sixteen in Australia. I think. Yeah. Um, but it, what th- this year, the only Honda towards the front is Mark Marquez. Yeah, well, they lost the direction, did Honda. Once Mark Marquez left, nobody could ride the bikes and nobody could tell what Honda what was right and what was wrong. And it's the same thing with Yamaha. Once the bike, luckily enough, they found somebody in Fabio Quattararo who could ride the bike in the same way that, well, maybe not in the same way, but could adapt his riding style to ride the bike that Lorenzo and Rossi left behind. Um, but the people, the likes of Frankie Morbidelli and the RNF squad of last year, who I can't remember, Cal Crutchlow finished the bike from Davizioso, and who was the other rider? Uh, Darren Binder. Well, oh, Darren Binder was this just a shame. He, why he was ever put on that bike, I will never know. I suppose he got the opportunity, um, he had to take it. It's the same with F1. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So like, you would take, you'd never take it down. But like, whoever made the decision that that was a good idea. I have never. I, I, I don't. I don't pass. Well, let's mention no. Yamaha. Uh, Fabio Quattararo somehow came second in the championship, two hundred and forty-eight points. Somehow, exactly. No, it was somehow. It's not like he lost the championship, came second, and lost it by like fifty points. He lost it on the last race. I like, you I know. Have you seen the grass? How he got that far? Have you seen yeah, the I did see the grass. It was a ninety-one point deficit halfway through the season. Yeah, and then like basically Bagnaia started his season at like round seven and just by the looks of the graph just walked it. Yeah, he won like it was quite funny actually. I remember the race where he he dropped it four races in a row. He dropped the Ducati four races in a row. And I can't remember the race that it was, but they were all saying, Oh Bagnaia's out of the championship. Now there's no way he can come back from that. And the next race he won it. Everyone and then saying, he won another one. I remember at that point everyone was saying Jack Miller was the main yeah, exactly. They were, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was like, no, because Chapman's crap. But that's a different uh, argument. And then he won four races in a row. Yeah, and then, and then funny enough, came back. I hope they do what they. I hope they do what they did with the Nissan that didn't win, that didn't do very well at Le Mans, and just hide the bike in the back of the corner <laughs> and just say, oh, we don't speak about that one." Or the M1, or this version of the M1. This version of the M1. Yeah. Well, I suppose you then ask the question: How old is this version of the M1? Because that's the joy of having the same name for 20 years is that you don't necessarily know where the start of this iteration yeah this iteration of m1 so let's Um, let's say quattaro 248 points next up frankie morbidelli 19th place overall 42 points 206 points behind mm. his teammate yeah but i don't know what was up with frankie morbidelli because we were saying before this that you know, in his first season of MotoGP, Frankie Morbidelli won a couple of races, which is why he was put on the Yamaha. But this year, for whatever reason, he's either ridden the bike at the first race and gone, yeah, I can't be bothered. <laughs> or he's got to like halfway through the season and gone, I can't be bothered. Because he's just, just he's been, for whatever reason, that doesn't seem to have been explained, he just doesn't seem very professional on the bike. Tell me more. Well, it doesn't doesn't seem to have the temperament for a works team. Well, when Carl Crutchlow, or bear in mind he was the test rider, comes into the team and qualifies ahead of you at the first race and finishes the lead Yamaha behind Quattararo, you've got to question the second Yamaha factory rider. Hmm. Surely you would say to yourself, why isn't he doing his job? Yeah. I think more sad with Yamaha is the fact that it was, of course, last the 2022 is Andrea Davizioso's last season, um, and he finished that two thirds of the way through it. I don't know. I couldn't give a toss I about Davizioso. Well, you got to appreciate him for the years he, you know, for his career. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was, a he hard, was the... hard worker for his 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 uh, career. He only really blossomed into a MotoGP contender 2017, and by then he'd been racing for 16 years. In the the fact the a GP yeah, but he should just like most people never come back. Once you've gone, that's it. Never come back. That's the thing. He goes. He goes from second, second, second in Ducati. 2020 doesn't. He does. He comes fourth. Goes to Yamaha. 24th. 
in the standings. 2022, twenty mm. first. It's just it's an it's not a deserving swan song. But equally, yeah, <laughs> much like Rossi, he's still, he's, he should have just stopped while he was ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Well, you could also say much like Lorenzo, but uh, that's and Pedroza, but that's uh, part of that generation, I guess. Mm, mm. Um, who else has changed in 2023? Well, yeah, we've got Maverick Vinales is now on a Aprilia as opposed to being on. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, he was on the Aprilia. Apologies, he was on the Aprilia. He didn't do great, did he, in 2022? No, I'm sure by his teammate, Lesh Spagro. Vinales is arguably was a contender until like the fast three races. Sorry? I was going to say, Vinales over his last five years has just been disappointing. Well, since he left the, was it the Yamaha yeah. satellite team? The factory team. Well, he was oh, was it the factory team? He was with Suzuki, then got the works Yamaha deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. got absolutely schooled. Because he grenaded one of the engines. <laughs> it's It just hasn't worked out for him. No, no. Be interesting to see how Ralph Fernandez does on the satellite Prilia team. The current incoming Moto Two champion, who looked quite quick, but he doesn't look special. No. He doesn't look like a special rider. He's very good, very good, but in my opinion, he's not. There's a, there's a rider, a bloke called Pedro Costa on the Moto Two, who's currently in Moto Two this year, who is the outgoing Moto Three rider, and he looks like a Mark Marquez type. Okay. Mostly because in his Moto3 career, he started a race from pit lane and won the race. <laughs> Not the And I don't know many riders who can do that. Apart from Mark Marquez. Apart from Mark Marquez. Um, and Ralph Fernandez, if Pedro Acosta was fit for the full season and didn't break his wrist, I think he would have lost. Because when Pedro Acosta was fit, he won the last race ahead of Ralph Fernandez. Bearing in mind, Ralph Fernandez had not didn't have to win the race, but he was pushing like hell. So, would you say that uh, Ralph Fernandez is a bit like Hiroshi Ayama when he came in? No, so, I'd say he's more like an Alex Rins or okay, you know, like a, so, a, a solid rider rather than a spectacular. Yeah, like a Fabio G- Giantonio. Well, I've only just seen that he's in MotoGP this year, but or Fabio G Di yeah, Giantonio. Last, last time I saw oh, him was in MotoGP Christ. last year as well. No, he was in MotoGP last year as well. But yeah, no. There's a few riders. He's he's he, he's a good rider, but I don't think he's a world champion. Like he, I don't think he is a Mark Marquez, DJ Valentino or... Rossi, Log, Hoggy, Lorenzo. Sorry, sorry? Is, it, is Fernandez or Digi Antonio? Fernandez. Right. Digi Antonio is just a. Sorry, just sorry. another rider. Yeah. Okay. Very, don't get me wrong. They are very good riders. Yeah. But it takes just that bit of men, bit of being a mental man like Mark <laughs> Marquez is to actually win a world championship. I get that. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, Jack Miller has gone to. Yeah, go on. Uh, Jack Miller's gone to KTM. Yeah, it should be a good fit for him. Um, less pressure. Doesn't have to worry about being the Ducati factory rider anymore. Just has to worry about the fact he's now on a KTM bike. Well, not, I just remember when which Jack Miller got promoted to the works Ducati team. It's just like that's the most um, antagonistic signing you could possibly do. It just maybe to you. Well, it just is. He's he's not. He's uh. He's very brash. He's he just. He's it's Australian. We never. There's being Australian. There's being. He he just moans at everything. He's he's like Cal Crutchlow, but worse. Um. It, it just doesn't have the uh. The outgoing image of someone who should be on a works bike promoting the team. Um, maybe not. No, maybe not. Plus, I don't think he's that good. But that's um a different. That's just my opinion. Um, I think the KTM's got to be interesting this year, next year. I still think it's going to be the slowest bike on the grid, though. What? As as a whole package, or as a, as yeah, like if you look at the Honda on in Mount Marcus's hands, the Honda is a fast bike. Yeah. Same with the Yamaha's in Quattararo's hands, it's a fast bike. This year, nobody's well. Brad Bin, in fairness, Brad Binder did really well in the last race, so you can't really call it not a quick bike. But and over the season, Miguel Oliveira won two races. But as you like to point Miguel, out, that was in the wet. That was in the wet. You like to point to it level out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it's been the stand. I don't think it's had many, on average, performances that have been like standout performances. Like you take the Aprilia, for example. I think the Aprilia is a better bike 
Yeah. Mostly because uh, over the season, Alessa Spargro, you know, as I say, up until like the last five races, he was a contender. He could have won the world championship somehow, but he could have done. Whereas on the KTM, Norsing, either rider didn't look like they were going to win a world championship. Well, if you look at Aprilia, they've got Alessio Spagaro fourth in 2022, 212 points. Vinales eleventh, 122. So it's it's closer um, as a you know top to bottom check. When you look at KTM, you had Brad Binder uh, sixth place, the highest rider not to win a race. Yes. Um, 188 points. Then the next KTM is Miguel Oliveira, 149 points, but won two races, as you say, in the wet. So mm. it's it does it does point to the bike being a more of an all rounder as opposed to you know really good or really bad like the Honda or the Yamaha mm. or the Ducati of old. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I think I think that if that, that's where Ducati's strength comes from now is that they've got a bike which everybody can get something out of. Well, if you've got eight riders riding your bike, that's eight streams of information so that you can make your bike better. Yeah. Whereas if you're in Yamaha's situation, you've got two. Well, that's embarrassing, I think, for Yamaha, massively. To be well, basically, yeah. basically the biggest team on the grid, and you've only got two bikes. Well, when Valentino Rossi's actual racing team is running a Ducati, yeah. I think you're doing something wrong. Well, I mean, clearly. I mean, let's say Yamaha. So when I started watching, there was the works team, which are now Monster Energy Yamaha. Uh, you, they used to have Tectois. Tectois went to um, KTM a few years ago. Uh, they then brought in SRT, uh, who are now RNF MotoGP, and they're with Aprilia. Uh, did Rossi's team ever go for Yamaha? I think they did in their first season when Rossi rode for them. I'm pretty sure they were on Yamaha's. Did he ride his own bike then? I'm pretty sure he did, yeah. Okay. I think his last season he rode the RF. I thought the that, was VR46. The, that was the SRT, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. It doesn't matter. That is, you know, know, it doesn't matter. As, as you said, it's, it's pretty bad that your talisman historic rider in Valentino Rossi has chosen not to go with his his team, his you know the guys that he was with for. If you ignore the Ducati bit, like twenty years nearly. Um, oh yeah, rode for Honda in the sort of mid to late nineties, and then switched to Yamaha, where he won most of his championships. Yeah, two thousand four, he started at Yamaha, so Ooh. that's thirteen years, I think. Yeah. But it's it it's embarrassing. They're, they're the biggest team. They have no excuses. No. No, and by the sounds of it, from testing that happened on Tuesday, um, they haven't even made a step forward. Yeah, so it could be even worse this year. I heard, uh, was it, it's one of the two. Said, said, it was quite a I said the engine hasn't yeah. changed. It's the same. It's almost like they haven't put a new one in. It's weird, and you're just sat there going, oh dear. Well, years ago, when Ducati were, came into, onto the scene in the 800cc class, and Casey Stoner literally could overtake anybody if there was a hint of a straight line. Yeah. Um, I just I still can just vividly remember that that first race at Qatar where he has a probably twelve bike length disadvantage coming onto the straight and is past someone by the finish line, um, but it 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 seems the same thing that Yamaha and Honda at the time they would keep throwing new engine concepts, keep throwing new engine concepts, keep throwing something else, and it would make no difference, and it took them years to to get to back to where Ducati were. Um, and Ducati at the time in fairness I still think that Ducati is the fastest bike on the grid well, yeah. not by much but still the fastest bike on the grid that's the thing it's, it seems to be the same problem they had what 15 years ago that they're, mm. they they're, they might I'm sure Yamaha have incredibly talented people in their design team but they're just not able to get the most that's physically possible out of a bike yeah when a little, you know, a relatively little team like Ducati, well, in fact, where did Yamaha and Honda finish? They came, okay, well, okay. If you get rid of her Quattararo, Yamaha would be last, and Honda were last in the constructor standings last year. Yeah, uh, that's that's complete. That's unacceptable. The amount of money that's, that's put into those two teams. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. It's almost like they went to sleep. During yeah. the pandemic, 
while Ducati, Aprilia and KTM were all developing their bikes over the two years, the Japanese teams just decided to, you know, we'll have a bit of a, we'll, we'll follow the Spanish and have a bit of a siesta. Well, there was an article I did a couple of years ago about Aprilia where I expected if they didn't turn something around within an, a year or two, that they'd close the whole thing. Because it's because MotoGP is that much more. You got to remember that MotoGP is a prototype bike. They don't use. They don't get. Yeah, you know, their RS V4 road bike. Strip it down. Put a couple of nice shiny bits in it, and off they go. Like they're doing World Super Bikes. It's they, they take it down to the ground, and then the road bikes you'll see five, ten years from now will have elements of that bike rather than the other way around on them. Mm. Um, and and Aprilia as big as Aprilia are because they're. Because they're owned by the Piaggio Group, who make a lot of bikes. Basically, they make the scooter. They do. Every, any, any, they, they, they don't. They don't just make scooters. They make the scooter. They, well, yeah, all of them. All um, of them. Yeah. Aprilia, Aprilia Derby. What's the other one? Um, oh, what's the third one? Oh my God! There was a third team back in one two five days, which used to be with um, Aprilia and Derby. But uh, basically, Piaggio are fucking huge. Um, but their budget is nowhere near as big as <laughs> as Suzuki, even. And we've said that they're not colossal compared to Honda and Yamaha. Yeah, no, the, I suppose the outlook is that Yamaha have hired some of the Suzuki guys. And because arguably the Suzuki engine was nearly as powerful as the Ducati one, you would kind of sort of say, hope that because they were both running in line fours, the Yamaha over the next year should develop on an engine side is because Honda... they have stolen Suzuki's engineers. Is Honda still running a V5? I don't know. Pass. I know they have historically had a three and two um, V5 concept, but it's. I think there's. They've got a lot to do. <laughs> we saw how many years it took um, Ducati to get back to anything like fighting. Well, it's been. Fit. However many years, you know. How many years has it been since Ducati won a world championship? Casey Stone in two thousand and seven. Yep. So it's taken them thirteen years. Oh, sorry, fifteen years. Yeah, but that's so it potentially. A... It's, I don't think it'll take Yamaha fifteen years. No, but but it could be. You know, it could be three or four years before they even get anywhere near it. Well, think when when G- Ducati won two thousand and seven, they should have won two thousand and eight, um, and then they started to drip off a bit. Rossi and Hayden. Hayden was two thousand and nine. Rossi 2011 I think and then they both left in like 2013-ish and they weren't any, any closer to winning so that was five years later from their losing point then they didn't mm. then 17 was did I say was uh, Davizioso? Yeah 17, 18 and 19 was the closest they got with Davizioso but so, they were never so going to beat Marquez that's 10 years yeah and that by that point um, they'd had they'd been bought out by Audi they'd been given all the investment they could possibly want um, and they went for it. So it's, yeah, very, I'd say almost worrying. You know, <laughs> at, what, at what point do, I mean, have you seen Honda and World Superbikes just repeatedly not get back to where they want to be? And Yamaha, hmm, they've not been bad. I wonder if, it, I wonder if it's, I wonder, it'd be interesting to see which one recovers first, Honda or Yamaha. Who would you Because think? it's, who would I think? Well, I think Honda will get away with it because Mark Marquez will drag them out. What if Mark leaves? If they, well, that's what I was about to say. Unless Mark left. Well, let's be honest. Mark Marquez on a Ducati or an Aprilia. Ooh, they're race-winning bikes then. I don't think Mark would suit a Ducati. No, but I could imagine him on an Aprilia though. Yeah. And the RSGP Aprilia bike, as I say, I, I don't think is a very bad bike. Um, and, that... I, and Mark Marquez is a significantly better rider than Alessio Spargros. I could quite easily see him challenging for the title on an Aprilia. An RSGP historically has always been a, a technically good bike in terms of its chassis, but had a crap engine. So yeah, well now I think it's getting a much better engine. So um, no, the one that'll struggle the most will be Yamaha, in my opinion. I think Honda will be dragged out by Mark Marquez's, Mark Marquez's wizardry, <laughs> um, but I don't think Quartararo is a very gifted rider as by seen by this year but Mark Marquez is just that bit better so do you think that Hot so, sorry which one do you think is going to be more okay out of the two Honda yeah. it also helps they've got four bikes on the grid well yeah that and also 
as we see, when you get rid of their top two talents for Honda and Yamaha, Honda are a bit closer. It's not a lot. Well, there's not a lot, no. It's not a lot. But... I think that, yeah. Well, when you look at it, I think Johan Mir is better than Frankie Morbidelli. Alex Rins is on par as a rider with Frankie Morbidelli. And then Nakagami is probably a little bit worse. So it's not like Morbidelli is a Quattararo. He's just had a stinker of the year. Yeah. It's just Morbidelli's just, that's just where he is. Um, Do, obviously in Formula One and circles, you always hear about young drivers in lower series. Is there mm. anything like as obvious a, a route with Yamaha and Honda with low, lower, lower tier riders? Well, unfortunately, the, the chap I mentioned before, um, Pedro Costa, he rides for the IO team, which is Red Bull backed. Yeah. So he's a Honda rider. It wouldn't surprise me. Why? Well, um, IO. Nicky IO, yeah. Yeah, but he's a KTM. No, but it's mm, IO Motorsports are KTM, aren't they? They are. No, you're right. They are. Yeah, but he's not going to ride a KTM. Let's be honest. Okay. Well, in that case, then I'd be going. I'd be going after a signature if I was Yamaha. I would be on the phone to whoever his manager is and being like, I want your signature. Here's a lot of money. Because he, he is the next Mark Marquez, without a shadow of a doubt. Give him a bit of time. And I reckon next year, as long as he doesn't get injured, he'll win the World Championship. It's without a doubt. I think 10 years ago when Marquez came onto the scene, Honda and Yamaha were that bit better. So the worst you could really get was fourth place in a race. Yeah. That, mm. that, if that, can't, that won't happen nowadays. If you have a, a really, really, really talented Moto2 rider come into Honda or Yamaha, are they going yeah. to be able to show what they can do? Well, you take Augusto Fernandez and, oh, who was the chap who rode for KTM last year? Who's not there anymore because he had a bit of a spat. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Remy Gardner. They both came one and two for Io last year and quite comfortably. So you can argue they're a very good rider. Remy Gardner and Augusto Fernandez had horrendous seasons. On the KTM, where it was like Brad Binder had a reasonably okay season, mm-hmm. and as I said, they came out of you know they came out of that too. It's kind of the same reason where I have that I'm not really thinking Ralph Fernandez is going to have, he's going to set the world on fire. Whereas, as I say, Pedro Costa is something special. He really is something special. Okay, I mean before the before we started the podcast, you also mentioned uh, Ayagura. Yeah, so Ayagura, yeah, he's your next Japanese Honda rider. And he's done the clever thing. He's he said to him he said two thirds through the Moto Two series that he's going to wait another year before he decides on what he's going to do. And basically, he's waiting until the Honda. But he's looked at Honda and gone, "Yeah, I don't want any of that this year." <laughs> so he's he's going to wait another year while Mark Marquez fixes this is the, the bike. bike. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll take Takanakagami's place next year without a doubt. Because with a great series belt, Takanakagami has passed his peak. Okay, I'm just looking at the Moto Two field now. Um... There are still some good names there that I recognise. I don't know why Sam Lowe's is still there, but he is. It's kind of, do you know why he's still there? It's funny. Do you know why he's still there? Because his girlfriend, is, or his wife, sorry, because he's married, his wife is the co-owner or something like that. No, really. Really? Genuinely. That's why I, I don't... I personally... He's a very talented rider, so he's obviously his results keep him there. But it half helps that I think his wife is like... The co-owner or something like that. That's brilliant. Let's see who else there is. Uh, Aaron Canet, he's good. Obviously, he wasn't yeah, a bit of Well, no, he's not won a race last year. Um, so I'm not. He's a very good podium rider, but he, I don't think he's a world champion. As I said, my pick for next year's Moto Two is Pedro Costa, Ayagura, and probably either Alonso Lopez or. Ah, ah, now I recognise who... Now I've seen the entry list, I see, I see who Pedro Acosta is. Because he's got my race number. <laughs> and he's on the KTM, yeah. just like I was on MotoGP 2004. <laughs> so yeah, that's quite yeah. funny. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say sort of my picks for the next year would be Pedro Acosta, Ayagura, and uh, Alonso Lopez. How did, how did Bo Benchneider do last year? Or was it, was it uh, he's still racing? Yeah, Pedro Delaporte is still racing. Okay, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it, 
you'll always find with the junior classes that it might take more than a few races for the cream to rise because of just the madness that does happen. But as we say, Yeah. it's it's going to be. I think Yamaha. Yeah, we think Yamaha and Honda have problems. They're going to need fixing sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially say Celestino Vietti had a better season this year in the Moto Teams Two Squad. You could say he's quite a nice replacement for Frankie Morbidelli, but Celestino Vietti had a very good, a very good start to the season, and then just collapsed. Like he just kept dropping the bike every single race, and he went from being. Halfway through the season to being the look on fancy for being world champion to probably, I think he ended up sixth in the championship. He had a horrendous end to the season. And he could have quite easily, maybe, had he had another good year this year or next year, could have quite easily jumped up into MotoGP for maybe a replacement. But Um, you still then have to consider, you know, what is the more surefire bet? You know, a young hotshot Moto2 rider or somebody who was just as young and hotshot a couple of years beforehand who's in MotoGP now. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fit. I wouldn't like to be a team manager. I wouldn't be a very good one. <laughs> Well, no, because you're biased as hell. I thought, fuck off, am I? <laughs> I If wouldn't. Casey Stewart rang you up and said, can I have a ride? You would give him a ride. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> and that proves the point. Um, yeah, interesting. Anything else for 2023 that we think we need to discuss? I think it's actually looking quite good. No, it's looking like a good season. As I said, the in the intrigue will be how good Mark Marquez is. Who would you? This is what four, five months early. Who would you put money on today if you had to? Want to win the championship? Yeah. Marquez. No, no. Uh, Banyaya. I think he'd do it again. You think he's in the groove? Okay. Yeah. Either Banyaya or Enabastianini. Bastianini. Yeah, either one of them. Because Bastianini was quick when he raced for Grassini. And that was a year old bike. Now he's on the brand new spanking. I suppose he did come third and Shiny he's machine. 50 points off nearly. Yeah, I would say either of the factory riders on my outside bet is Alessio Spagro. Okay, but what uh, well, uh, the the problem I would have with two really good Ducati riders in on a, on a good bike is uh you might get a repeat of what happened with Davizioso and any of his teammates really uh pick pick one um Pazzini. per se, per se, no <laughs> he was there for one season and he didn't do very well. I was, I was thinking it's the other Italian um the one with hair oh what's his name Inone Andrea, you know, no. yeah. That that got spicy very quickly, and then towards the end there was um, Davizioso and was it Petrucci? It was Petrucci. I mean that that got famously. I'm sure Pazzini was his last teammate. Yeah, but it was like did did Petrucci did uh, Petrucci just go fuck you to Chicati though? Something like that, yeah. But yeah, that's the point. Is that it, I think Chicati are stronger when they have a a lead lead rider. No, I wouldn't disagree. But Enabastianini is a quick lad. Well, I says you can't knock Mark Marquez. You I can't say Mark Marquez isn't going to try, but I think he's going to fall off too much. well, I think the bike's not good enough. He said. He said. No, He's. no, no, absolutely. The bike's not good enough, and I think he's going to fall off a lot. He he said after testing, or at least I saw one quote from one source that uh, if the bike is as it is right now in six months, then it won't win. Mm, that doesn't surprise That me. that's not um, a ringing endorsement, is it? No, no. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to say? I'm going to get rid of Bastianini because that just seems wrong to have two factory rides. And I'll say Jorge Martin. Jorge Jorge Martin. Martin, sorry. Jorge Martin. There you go. Bastianini, Jorge Martin, and then the outside bit is a delicious background. Okay. That's uh That's it. you do like to do quite a few bets on your your tickets, Chris. So uh, that's not That, that, that would be my not an expert choice. If it were me, I'd always put a bet on Marquez because it's silly not to. Uh I would put Oh, I want to put something on um, Miguel Oliveira, but I don't think he's been that amazing the last couple of years, apart from his wins. Miguel Oliveira is never going to get anywhere near a world championship. I Don't think, kid yourself. I, yeah, but I've, 
I've liked him for years. <laughs> he's, oh, he's he's done all right. Uh, I don't think a, Honda, a Yamaha rider or a different Honda rider can do it. I don't think Jack Miller's any good. I don't like Brad Binder that much. Um, I don't rate Paul Espargaro. Who's on Ducati's? Alex Marquez's crap. Uh, I thought, yeah, you, you can't really look beyond Bagnaia, really. Well, that's what I was. I'm thinking I'm looking at it and going, can't really see him. Ban, yeah, I, I, I just think Bagnaia's got, it's got to be the favourite. Yeah. Ignoring the fact that he's the champion, he's got to be the favourite. It depends how he, how he deals with the pressure, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those cases he's won one now. Yeah, and you can go either way. You can either get, you can either have the pressure of being champion, having that extra media attention, and all that sort of, you know, the the it'll go into your head, or you can revel in it like Mar Marquez did, and in two thousand and fourteen, I think, when he won like ten of the first eleven races. Mm. Yeah, you could you could go on like that, but it's impossible to say. But anyway, that's been our thoughts for the two thousand twenty three MotoGP season that's upcoming. Plenty of changes. Plenty of uh, things to get excited about. And you can watch it for lots of money behind BT Sports Paywall. I would highly recommend BT Sport. I think it's a fantastic programme. And Susie Perry does a really good job. Just I, I, ah, Now we know why you think you'd like BT Sport. Because you like Susie Perry. Do you know how old she is? No. Top tip. Do you know how old Susie Perry is? Oh, I don't know. Oh, be, yes. She must be late 40s by now. She's 52. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 52. So there you go. And she looks very good for a fifty-two-year-old. <laughs> is Jay, is no, that... genuinely, genuinely, the BT coverage is very good. It is very good, and it's worth the money. Good for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to. Me. It's also a benefit for the fact that I get to watch the rugby as well. Well, they are okay. So, if you're a fan of Susie Perry or rugby, watch BT Sport. You might get a bit of for free. And that's going to exactly. do it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Stab uh, Show. Uh, thank you for Chris for joining me. No problem. And I'm going to be 30 next time I do a podcast. That's awful. Poor me. Anyway, that's that's going to do it. Bye, everyone.